DJ, PK, and David Locke joining us, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David Locke's weekly interview brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. During the month of May, get 0% APR for 84 months, plus no payments until January 2021 or, 20, or uh, on the 2020 Elantra or the 2020 Tucson. Check them out at Murdoch Hyundai in Linden or Murray. All right, David Locke, good morning. How are you? Good David? morning. I'm good. I'm driving that Sonata right now. They're incredible. So, you know. oh, nice plug. Good work. So, hey, hey, they sponsor. Might as well give them a plug. Tell the truth. Exactly. So, I'm curious. You're eager. I'm, You're eager. I'm, You've got stuff this morning. I'm very curious because I heard you talking a little bit about this on the big show, and I know you think more, and you're doing it off the top of your head, and I figured by now you've looked at whatever numbers were, uh, were distracting you. I'm not really interested in the numbers. I'm more interested in your emotional feeling, your gut take on uh, is, uh, is Jordan going to torch Carl Malone? Sure. He's going to talk about how Malone won the MVP and it, um, and it like completely, you know, he was disrespected and it was another sign and that, and that motivated him because he's found, he, he was upset about Dan Marley, who I never once in my entire life ever heard anyone ever put Dan Marley and Michael Jordan in the same sentence at any point ever, other than maybe if they played in the same game. So, you know, clearly he it made things up in his head. Um, and so there was, there'll be a Malone shot in there somewhere. Okay, I want to know about what you sent us a big group text as far as college football. You think that through all this, the Pac-12 and other conferences will never be known the same again. I found that fascinating. So there's all sorts of flaws and problems in this, but just go with the big picture concepts and, and we'll and you know, then if we need to narrow down we can't. I just can't see with the amount of money that's on the line that if Alabama says they're going to play and Vanderbilt says they're not, that the SEC is not playing. Right? We all, were you there? Frankly, Utah, when USC and UCLA and Cal and Stanford can't play, and Utah can, I think Utah's going to want to play. And they're not Alabama, but they're going to want to play. So my guess is that we're going to get to – now – Everyone's got to have kids on campus, and that just might be more than being able to play or some level of kids on campus. So I think we're going to get to the point where we have about 60 programs that are, able to, that are going to be able to play, maybe, maybe less. And my guess at that point is that they just absolutely rebuild schedules. They probably want to limit travel, probably need to do things close. Bus travel's better than flying as much as possible, though it's all chartered um, at that point. And I would guess that we end up with, you know, call it four 15-team conferences, a Midwest, a South, a East, Southeast, some sort, and a, and a West. And that they just build brand-new schedules, BYU, Boise, Utah, Oregon State, Washington State, Arizona, Arizona State. Um, we might, might, need, might need to go far enough west to add Nebraska. Colorado, um, maybe maybe part of Texas, and you've got your 15 teams in the West, and they just make up schedules, and they somehow distribute the TV network, which is part I really haven't figured out, which is probably the most important part. We have a 16-team playoff at the end of it, where they just kind of 
that's really what the season is, but we got enough TV coverage in the meantime. We're probably only playing eight or nine games because then you justify the 16-team playoff. And by the time that's over, we never see any of these conferences ever again. It's just a complete and utter realignment of everything. So the only problem is you struggled a little bit with the money and there are contracts in place. Yeah, but Um, all the contracts have to be broken anyway. uh, And I get that in the short run, but I I wonder if the Pac-12... I'm not totally dismissing because I kind of thought what you thought, but I also think that I'm of two minds here. One, that there is consolidation because of this. And if I were a Ute fan, which because we cover them as much as we do and there's as much interest as they are, although we're not, we are, if you know what I mean. You're in that weird position in the media. You you want stories and they're a good story. We need the Utes to be interesting. We need the Utes and Cougars to be interesting and good. Right. So I think the thing that would worry me going forward is if – six or seven of the most valuable programs in the Pac-12 and the Big 12 got together for a 12-14 to 14 Western Super League. I, I don't know that I can go with you on the Big 10 and the SEC realigning and all that kind of stuff, but I think that the that would worry me. You know, there's been momentum for it in the past, and it hasn't happened. Could it actually happen? And if it happens, then do the Utes get left out of whatever the top flight is? That would worry me. Right. Okay, but the thing is that it's what you said, though. The Utes are more likely to play, and USC is more likely to sit. If it were flip-flopped where USC was playing, and Oregon was playing, and Washington was playing, and the Utes weren't, right, that's when it would really be a problem. Uh, So I I wondered if when the Pac-12 came out and said, we're looking at an 11-game conference schedule, it's because they do have the TV contract, and they'll talk to ESPN and Fox and say, we'll give you the games, but we don't know when. As hotspots flare up, as teams have guys test positive, it may take us 20 weeks to play these 11 games, but you'll get them. All right, if so I'm a TV I'm gonna, network, I would take that. I would take I'm gonna, that. Let's go to the TV network for a second. Let's go to the TV network for a second. Mm-hmm. Okay. ESPN has how many games on a Saturday? Uh, well, ABC has... Let's just walk through. ABC four, has X amount of games. Three, ESPN has X amount of games. Fox has X amount of games. And Fox regionals have X amount of games, right? Well, ESPN2, ESPNU, yes, I get your point, right. though. So I think you literally are going to slot these... I don't think this is that complicated, actually. I think they're going to literally say, hey, everyone's paid their money. Maybe it's still, and, and I think the reason, the only reason the conferences still hold together is because somebody there has to be some system that you're allocating the money out of. Right. Or to. But, and the money's going to be different. But I think you, that's, I'm actually not convinced in this type of a crisis that you can't get the head of ESPN, the head of Fox sports, the head of CBS and have them like have on a little, literally on a whiteboard, all their different slots of when they air games and figure out what's appropriate to go in those slots. And if Alabama's, if it's an SEC game and Alabama's playing Georgia, it's probably on, it's probably on CBS. They have the first right, they have the first right to that. And they put it in their slot. But I, I actually don't think Everyone just wants to make their money. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't think it's going to be some of that stuff, actually. I just think it's solved with that driving principle. And But I just, you're not going to have, you, you they can't do it. It's clear. Here's what they can't do. That everyone's got to be in school to play. Like, once one school's out, the college football season's over, because that's going to happen. They can't do conferences, because that's going to happen. 
conferences are too big and too widespread. There's going to be schools that don't open in each and every conference. And so then they have to redo all the schedules. Like, but I don't crazy know. As what, right. As crazy as what I just said is, and I think it's nuts, I actually can't find the other solution. So try this solution then. The thing that changes, because you're, I'm totally with you, when you've got 14 teams in 11 states, they're going to be a, they're going to have different issues as far as when they can play. But if you do what the Pac-12 is doing and say, hey, we're going to redo the schedules, we're going to play 11 conference games spread over 20 weeks, ESPN and Fox are going to say, hey, a college football game in January or February is more valuable than putting on a college basketball game or a golf tournament or whatever else you'd be putting on. So, okay, hey, it's crazy times. We'll take it. We'd rather have a, We'd rather have that. If USC and Utah can't play, I think they're supposed to play the uh, Friday in early October, right? If they can't play then, if they have to play in January or February, even if the Utes can go, uh, what are the Utes going to say? Are they going to say no? They're going to play USC when USC is available. They're going to work with SC. They're going to get that game in. And if that means they've got to play it in December, January, February, I think they will. All right, here's my one flaw on that. Okay. I think you're right. I think you're, like, principally right. The one reason I don't think that works is at the time in which that has to be decided, we don't know that USC can play. Oh, yeah, I think it gets bumped out there indefinitely. Hey, we're going to play it when we can. So how? So then what are we doing? Are we starting part of college football in September? Yes. But USC starts in November? Yeah. Are we just starting college football in November because we're waiting for USC with no knowledge that USC is actually going to be ready? Utah will wait for USC, but Alabama will not wait for Vanderbilt. Right? So that's what I think gets really complicated here is this, this exact scenario we're talking about where USC and UCLA decide – you know what, we're not actually ready to go. And, and frankly, if they're not ready to go in September, now, there's a few things different here. So USC is really interesting because USC's got those two summer quarters and they're both canceled, and so they don't actually have a kid on campus until, like, late August, which just doesn't work, right? Like, that fundamentally, we, USC doesn't work. How USC is going to get their college football players on campus when they have a can- closed campus until late August, I don't know. Um, but let's say that USC announces that the fall quarter is online. Like, what are we, what are you doing? Like USC, they can't, then what do you do? Just then USC just doesn't play football, but we can't like suddenly have USC waiting to decide, you know, we're hoping in November actually we'll start some classes. We're going to do a weird hybrid. Yep. And then we, and we wait. And so five teams have played seven college football seasons then USC starts playing? I don't think we can do that, can we? I, I, think, I don't know. Like, it's all new. I think you're going to see a hybrid right out of the gate because I think that these schools need the tuition money and the students and their parents think that, well, first off, colleges are overpriced. and Can we all agree that they're overpriced in the first place? But when it's an on, a pure online experience, I think, I think you know, I, I have a college senior who just went through it, and he's glad he's done that he's not facing another year of this, because he said that that wasn't the college experience. That was, right. I don't know what that was, but that was not what I signed up for. Right. Uh, well, but so they're going to open... On a side note, they did a study, they have an article in the school my son's supposed to go to in the fall, which he's not going to go. Um... And they asked, a, they had like, you know, one of those Facebook groups of the new class of 2024, or whatever it is. And 48% of the kids said they'll defer yeah. 
if they're online classes. Like yeah. I actually think you're not going to have online classes at a bunch of now. These are these are this is a smaller school, but I think some of these smaller schools are actually just not going to have a semester. I think they're not going to have an uh, online classes. They're just not going to have a semester. They're never going to start it. I was assuming that there'd be online stuff, and then the, some of the smaller classes, the labs, and uh, I, the Cal States when they did this, it's like some of the nursing classes and the labs will go ahead on campus, but you can socially distance in those. Those are smaller classes. But I think we all went to lecture halls. PK must have. Right. I think Arizona State's the biggest school. Well, PK, did you have lecture halls with like a thousand people in them? Uh, that's a lot, but certainly close to that. Yeah. Um, that won't happen. You know, I did think that they're, you know, they're smart, right? They know everyone, like, thinks that the UC system and these schools aren't thinking about football. Oh, they're thinking about it. Because Janet, and I can't pronounce her last name, helped me out of Arizona. Napolitano? Yes, Napolitano. Thank you. Former director of Homeland Security, now head of the UC system. Um, she started, in that Wilner article, she started talking about the hybrid model. And the hybrid model, which is they do some classes online for those students that, you know, absolutely don't have, there's, you know, there's students don't have a place to live, right, if they don't have college. So we need to make sure that we're taking care of some of these people. Um, so it's, you know, a hybrid model where the classes are both online and certain select students are on campus. Well, certain select students can become football players pretty quickly. Yep. So that, that I think helps out, you know, that helps out the idea of getting football back up and going. I'm done. <laughs> you got? Oh, did you so find PK, out? What you, you, no. What, what, what's your? All right. So PK, give us your. I want your scenario. So you think it starts when, with how many teams, and in what form? <laughs> well, I think it starts whenever. I don't know that I can specifically say a date. Uh, put a particular date. I think the whole thing is fluid and flexible. And so it's not to the point of literally figuring it out week week by week. That's too dramatic, obviously. But I think it's closer to that than opposed to being a set schedule. Because I, and we all agree 100%. If schools XYZ can play and schools ABC can't, well, sucks for schools ABC. But the rest of them are going to play, particularly if they're big boys. The thing that I don't understand is how it is going to be, in your mind, permanent going forward. Forward, that's where I'm not sure that I can grasp it or agree with it. I think that's probably a little bit of a stretch on my end, but I feel like we're, and you guys know college football better than I do, and college, just college sports in general. I just feel like we are leaning that way anyway. Um, and so you're right, there's TV contracts that have to get rebuilt, and maybe it's not, maybe it's not, yeah, no, I mean, I think my comment was that the Pac-12 is never, as we See, I don't think we become one big 60-team conference. Maybe. I don't know. Um, and that there's not 110 programs anymore. There's, there's probably something to that. Um, but I think that it's – I think that DJ, you know, suddenly the old super conference we almost had where Utah was going to get left out and, te- you know, with Texas schools maybe becomes a, a new possibility. Um, I would say I don't think any of this is good for the Pac-12, right? Like I can't – I think – if you specifically look at the Pac-12, if the Pac-12 were a stock, it already is dropping. Um, but I would say this is bringing it toward a penny stock um, situation. All right, David, as always, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. 
But the NBA is like close to NBA. Who plays first, NBA or college football? NBA. NBA. Who plays first, NBA. NHL or NBA? I haven't followed the NHL close enough. I don't know how close they are. That'd be a guess. I think they're basically on the same path. I think they're really similar. Oh. Who uh, they're going to go to four spots? I think from what I'm hearing in their conference, and they're going to try to play. They're going to try to. I thought the Sinclair CEO's comment this week was really newsworthy. They would probably try to fulfill their um, games where everybody else. That's the first time I heard anything about the NHL doing any regular season. Um, who's first, baseball or uh, NBA? Baseball. Okay. They're all working together. It's not. What happens when? Four college players test positive on the same team. <laughs> USC reschedules the Utah game. To when? Whenever USC wants, because Utah knows everything that's at stake, because they're smart people. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be some end date on this, though. Uh, the I NFL draft. The, the NFL draft is the end date. There's been too much talk about spring football. Behind the scenes, they plan for it. They're they're ready for it. There's there's, no, there's no way, question. Like way too much talk. So you can't suddenly have a bunch of people play the fall and another conference play the spring, right? Yeah, you can. I think it'll happen. And what do you do about title? Excellent question. Pac twelve is just not involved in the title. Oh, that would be a first. Right. Then you really are a penny stock. I guess it depends on what happens with the other leagues. I really can't foresee that if they had to kick the playoff, that four-game playoff down the road, uh, two or three months. I suppose they would. You know, whatever makes the most money, I'll I'll vote on that. I just don't know right now what makes the most money. Oh, there's zero chance of a four-game playoff, by the way. There's only chance of an eight- or 16-game playoff when the TV networks are losing this much money. Oh, interesting. Right? Yeah, I follow you there. This is the way that the colleges get their money back to the TV networks as they go to 8 or 16 now. Right. And then they justify it because they're not, playing 11, they're not playing 12 games. Okay, interesting. I'd, I'd be okay with that. That'd, that'd be all right. I'd like to see an 18 playoff anyway. All right, David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, join us here. Stay with us, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Thanks a lot, David. We appreciate it. See you guys. David Locke brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Group on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. George Niang, kind enough to join us. It sounds like you want to get back out there. You want to play and, and finish the season. For sure. You know, I feel like America needs sports. You yeah. know, America needs entertainment just for their mental well-being. And if, you know, the NBA could lead that resurgency, that would mean a lot. You know, I think the game has a huge impact. If we can continue to impact the world positively, you know, with, you know, stressing the fact that, you know, be healthy, protect yourself, uh, wash your hands, take care of others, and still be able to play, I think we should get out there and do it. Uh, but if it's my gut feeling and I had a gun to my head, I would say that, you know, we're going to finish the season and that's going to happen. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Syringo Networks is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringonetworks.net. All right, PK, I was going to talk uh, Last Dance in Jordan with uh, 
David Locke, and you want to hit him up on what he sent out about college football, and that was a good idea by you because he thought a lot there. But that was him spewing a lot of stuff and not a lot of time to react to it. What do you think now that you had a couple minutes to think about it? Yeah, it was good to listen to you guys. I appreciate your discussion. Um, I think that my thought is I can't go along the line as more radical as he is. And it's interesting that eyeballs are the big deal, you know, for television. And that became like uh, the reasons for expansion, right? It's the obvious reason why Rutgers and Maryland got into the Big Ten. Because on the surface, it doesn't make any sense. But nevertheless, that's why they did it, right? Especially particularly for Rutgers. And then you look at the Pac-12, which is what we care about the most, obviously, that the Californias, particularly the L.A.s, in this particular situation, uh, because of the amount of people there, the eyeballs, it's going to end up hurting them potentially because we know of you know the social distancing, the more people, all that type of stuff, and it seems to be more dramatic over in their communities than it is uh, in our community, just say as an example. So going forward, the thing that I can't grasp, and maybe you have a better idea, and you're smarter than me, I'll be the first to admit it, is that how's Locke's idea of the Pac-12 as we know it will be no more. I can't really get my hands around that to figure out how that could be a possibility. I think um, I, I think it can be a possibility because it can always be a big possibility if the biggest brands decide to band together. You know, if, if, if USC, Oregon, Texas, and Oklahoma all want to get on the same page, everybody else can be like, uh-oh, how do we get in the boat with those four? Uh, so I think that's why it's there. But I think what works, and we're looking at this from a Utah perspective, obviously, what works for the Utes is that that thing you just said about LA's got more people, they're going to they're gonna have more issues with social distancing, right? And then you bring politics into it. I mean, there's a pretty clear trend here that Republican governors are more likely to open up and more likely to open up sooner. Democratic governors are less likely to open up and certainly less likely to open up sooner. So this is where Utah uh, is more likely to be on the same page as Oklahoma and Texas and USC isn't. So you know, if you're if you're Utah, if you're ASU or whatever, you got a chance to uh, help these guys out by being flexible as they work with schedules that are less likely to be flexible. Now, if the roles were reversed, boy, that'd be a problem. But they're not reversed, and they're not going to be reversed. So I'm, I'm not that worried. I guess, I guess the most I can say about locks is if something happened now where they had to do something wild and crazy just to get the season in, and it gave them a taste of them and showed them that it could work, then there could be a realignment when the next TV deal is up. And the next TV deal you know, is going to be negotiated in you know, the next, depending on the league, three, four, five years. That would be a problem if they got a taste of that. But it doesn't appear like they're going in the direction where they're going to get a taste of it. So I'm with you in that I'm not that worried about a permanent realignment. No more than I would be at any time. You know, any time USC, Oregon, Oklahoma, and Texas decide they want to get on the same page in the same conference, that's a big uh-oh moment for everybody else. Uh, agreed. And so what you're saying is, I want to make sure I understand this, you're saying that that is an OO moment, but that really has nothing to, to do, do with, with the, the current situation. That's right. out there. Right. Right. Spot on.
At any time. Yes. Yes. At any moment, if the, if the big brands decide to band together, the medium and little brands then figure out, okay, well, they're not going to have a 14 league. How do I get in if they're going to 10 or 12 or 14 or 16? Whatever it is they've decided they want to do. I got to make sure I'm in the boat with those guys. Yes, and that's a situation that you have to be aware of. But I think that, you know, I, I really, maybe I'm completely off base, but I wonder if these big dogs would break off themselves within the Power Five. I can see the Power Five breaking off, but I wonder if Oklahoma and Texas, as far as football, doesn't want uh, whomever it might be, Kansas to beat up on regularly and so do they really want to be playing these other schools these big time programs week after week and the way Bronco Mendenhall says elite competition every week which is bull because it's not every week and it's elite competition it just isn't and do they want that and do their constituents want that all the time, where they want to make sure they've got built in five or six, seven wins, and then you know you see what happens in the other games. Obviously, they want some competition, or else it becomes meaningless. And I also think geography plays into it. Yeah. I, you know, I've heard, and I think there's some truth to it. I don't think it's completely guaranteed, but I've heard about the Big Twelve, which isn't twelve going after some Pac-12 schools. Mm-hmm. And obviously, geography, you can just look at it. I mean, Colorado going back, the Arizona's going going in, and then the Arizona's get more money. Because in the, in the final analysis, this whole season here, or year, or whatever it is, if you want to say season or year, I think it's going to be screwy to begin with, and people are just going to roll with it. As we are at our professional level, too, we're going to roll with it. But after that, if there's a significant amount of money to be had in you're in conference, Conference A and Conference B is offering you more money, well, then, yeah, I think that you consider it. I think uh, I was thinking about this yesterday, that uh, sticking up for what Bronco said, that maybe if we had a chance to interview him and quiz him more, I think when he says, you know, elite, because you and I both kind of flinched when he said elite competition every week. I'm like, okay, I just don't think Ohio State playing Rutgers is elite competition for Ohio State. Stop it. And, uh, you know, when Virginia was 2-10, and 10, that wasn't elite competition. Colorado and Oregon State and Arizona have recently run out some teams that just cannot be described as elite competition. But maybe to Broncos' bigger point is that, yes, the bottom of a Power 5 league isn't very good, but we were comparing the bottom of a Power 5 to the top of a um, uh, top of a group of 5. But if you compare bottom of Power 5 to the bottom of a group of 5, you know, when San Jose State is down or UNLV is down or New Mexico is down, there must have been weeks when Bronco was at BYU that he looked at the tape and thought, Oh, we're going to crush these guys. The bottom of this league just is so far away. So maybe that's more what he was getting at, because I just don't think the other argument that we both disagreed with, I just don't think that's that defensible. But maybe he was just comparing how far the bottom of the Power Five was compared to how far the bottom of the Mountain West was when he was in it. Okay, and then in the ACC title game, Clemson beat Virginia 62-17. to Just crushed him. Just crushed him. In that case, yeah. the top of the league is away. You know, everyone said all year long, Ben, it's a long way from number one to number two. And then when you got to the ACC title game, well, everybody was right. 
it was a long way. I think. Okay. The, well, I, I think the thing that. How you, about in the Pac-12 then? Yeah, it wasn't uh, sixty-seven, but I get your point. It was it was pretty good separation. Now the year before it wasn't. It was ten to three, so it was pretty tight that year. Uh, but certainly the North has beaten the South pretty consistently. SC broke through one time, but I think that's the only time the South has won. Right? And I think the South has one win in the conference title games. Unless SC's won it twice. You are correct. Did SC win it twice or just once? I'd have to look it up. Well, they may have won it twice, but they're the only program that's yeah. won it. I think the thing that Utah has going for it here, because we, you know, sometimes when things are bad, you just you're very good at focusing on the gloom and doom, you know. And when things are good, like we were just talking uh, an hour ago or so, we were talking about, um, you know, th- these sports dynasties aren't going to win forever. Something always comes up, and it doesn't matter if it's the A's or the Yankees in the '70s. It doesn't matter if it's Jordan in the '90s. It doesn't matter if it's the Warriors now. Something always comes up. Nobody wins forever, and. But you're caught up, you know, they're winning, so you keep thinking about them winning. And, like, obviously a lot of stuff is going wrong, and these are hard times, but that doesn't mean it's going to go wrong for Utah. And I actually think maybe some of these schools that don't have the eyeballs and the market size that obviously bring the money have a chance to show their value now by being flexible. Because, especially for UCLA and Cal, maybe to a lesser degree still for USC and Stanford, but they're private schools. They're in California, so they're not completely on their own, but they're private schools, so they got a little more flexibility. UCLA and Cal aren't going to have much flexibility at all. But to the degree the other schools in the league can work with them on their schedules kind of reinforces their value. You know, if you were in a league with a bunch of big dogs who could just who have donors who just write checks, and would they be this flexible and work with you on whatever the issues are? And right now the issues are you know, pretty obvious, and, and the hurdles are pretty high here for people running sports. So you get a chance to improve your value a little bit by being a good teammate and providing some flexibility because, you know, those California schools are clearly going to have issues, some maybe more than others, but they're all going to have issues. Yeah, I agree with that. And as it relates to Utah, I still think their program is in a good spot. And I, re- I refer to a conversation of all places I had in the men's room in Sun Devil Stadium <laughs> with what? a Pac-12 official. Uh, <laughs> not a referee, but an, an, uh, a person who was an administrator saying that they love having the Utes in the conference. They yeah. just really, really love it. it. They weren't sure about it, but it, they feel like it's hit a home run having Utah in their conference relative to football anyway. And that's obviously what we were talking about. It was before the game. Yeah, I mean, we were in there, and I saw a guy, and I thought I would usually I keep my mouth shut, but I thought I'd just talk to him, and he, you know, I said where I was from, and I went to ASU, and that I uh, covered the Utes, and he just went off about Arizona, I mean, excuse me, about Utah, and how much they loved having him in there. So you're right about as far as being the flexible, increase their value. I think Utah's value is increasing all the time, actually. And I, I just don't see radical, radical changes. Maybe down the line through TV negotiations when contracts are up, what's that, 23, 24? Mm-hmm. At that point, you know, maybe all bets are off. But I just don't know that I see this stuff causing just almost to the point, not chaotic changes, but radical changes. I, 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 I see more of a, okay, we'll do what we have to do 
to get through this, and that's great. That's fine. Make the best of this difficult situation. I think that's what we're going to see. And then rather than go down this road or go down that road, it will be more like a take a step back and breathe a little bit here once we get past this situation rather than make decisions that are outrageous. I mean, that's why when I see who who was it, Akron cutting uh, three sports, I think, man, did they just – it has to be right now. There's no way that they can hold off a little longer to see if we can get through it. No, I'm obviously I have no connection to Akron, so I don't know what their situation is. It's 23 athletes, I think, in all three of the sports they were talking about, and it'll save them five million or four million dollars or what have you. It just that I just don't think that we're going to see a bunch of decisions made in the short term that would have obviously long-term effects. Let's get through to the other side and then see where we're at, see what makes sense, what's best. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Spring football tour takes us to Oregon State. That's coming up in about 15 minutes. Andy Toulson, former BYU basketball star, former jazz player, dad of BYU's New Hoops commit Tanner Toulson. Andy joins us at 9.30. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We're going to talk college football in just a moment with Angie Machado. Covering Oregon State for BeaverBlitz.com. Got a couple minutes here to talk basketball. We hit on this earlier in the show, PK, but we probably won't have a chance. And people tune in the last hour and a half, so we probably ought to hit it here. Utah forward Booth Gotch is going to transfer reportedly from the U. Larry Kristoviak with a statement last night. We've been supportive of Booth entering the NBA draft to obtain valuable evaluations from team personnel these past two months. So this comes as a surprise to myself and our staff after learning of Booth's intentions to transfer. So whether it's to another school or the NBA, another player who's been invested in, a lot of time, a lot of shots, a lot of minutes, gone. And for a Utah fan base that wants to go to the tournament after missing it four years in a row, this isn't just another, it's, uh, it's just Groundhog Day. We've seen this too many times. There are too many players that have been invested in that have left, and it's going to lower expectations for next year again. Well, yes, I can tell you on the very last practice that they had of the season was down in the Thomas and Mack Annex down there on UNLV's campus. So it's the day before they were going to play Oregon State in that uh, Tuesday, and then they played on the Wednesday, and they lost on a last-second three-pointer. The point I'm making is they brought out three guys to do the interviews after the practices and there was probably about uh seven or eight of us media people down there adam from channel two was there and i was there obviously and they brought out uh the three you think they brought out (laughs) Alan, of course yeah and what's the what's the big kid's name uh the seven footer who who blocked a bunch of shots against stanford and oh good out of uh what's he out of bingham uh brandon carlson what's his name's name yeah, there you go. Carlson and Gotch. 
and those were the three that were interviewed. And so you're bringing out your best players at the time, right? And you know, I suppose they could have brought in Jones, but they didn't. That's right. Those were the guess, three. Yeah. The point I'm making is you had the Carlson's a freshman, and then the other guys were uh, not freshmen, and they brought them out as team leaders. And the point I'm making is one of the team leaders then decides he's not coming back. And I guess suppose if you had in and of itself, it would be an issue. But it's not in and of itself. It's been a number of players over a number of years. And Gotch was an interesting player because it looks like, you know, he's real tall and skinny. But he had some pretty good games. Now, he had some games where, you know, maybe he didn't live up to the potential. I don't mean So you can... Decide whether you think he's a major loss to the program. I think that he could potentially be if he would have gotten better. And you have to assume that guys are going to get better the longer they stay in the program. That's usually the case. So, you know, he was inconsistent and had an injury this past season. But you're thinking that, all right, he's going to continue to work on his game and so forth. And next year was going to be his best year in the Utah program. And he was going to, maybe not the superstar, because I you know they got these highly ranked kids coming in, but they're young kids. I haven't seen them play at this level. I can only go by what people tell me, but I haven't seen them play at this level. So I'm going to assume there's going to be some level of inconsistency on freshmen. If you had three first-round picks for the University of Arizona who are freshmen and are going to go in the draft this season, and the best they could get was fifth place, well, come on. How am I going to rely on freshmen coming into this program next year and do a whole lot better? These guys are all going to be first. Three of them are supposed to be first-round picks, and the best they got was fifth place. So Utah's freshmen, are they going to be better? No, because you're looking at as long as the team wins, who cares who's coming and going? But the team has got to win. And then you look at BYU, they clearly had their best season in years this year. Well, because they had all this experience. It's not, it's not uh, that hard to figure out, right? You brought in Toulson as a grad transfer, but the guy had been around the block ten times, and he knew how to fit in, and plus Hawes had a great season, and Childs and so forth and so on, right? All these guys, and they knew how to play the game, and Pope did a marvelous job. Well, I just wonder how much is this going to set Larry's program back at a time that he can't afford, literally, to have the program go, wow, man, we're really shooting for uh, 21-22. You can't keep saying that, man. You can't keep shooting for two years down the road. It's got to be next year. And how big of a blow this is. At minimum, I think it's a decent blow, maybe even a massive blow. I'd agree, decent blow. I probably wouldn't go massive because I just don't know that Gotch produced enough. I mean, certainly the potential is there. There is still untapped potential. He can get better. Uh, but there were some results there. I mean, he's second on the team in scoring. He's third on the team in minutes played. And, you know, it's almost 11 points a game, three and a half boards, three assists. You know, he can shoot the three better. Uh, he can he can score better and turn it over less because he's averaging almost three turnovers a game. So there's still potentially tapped in, but when you're third in minutes and you're second in scoring, you're clearly a big part of the team. And and I did see stuff, and it could yes. just be Ute fans rationalizing, you know, well, he wasn't going to play that much next year. Well, he wasn't going to play none. I get he may not play 30 minutes because they're bringing in so many guys, and those guys may earn time, right? And they dupl- may duplicate his skill set. Uh, but he was still going to get some time. 
And it's not like it's just one transfer. It's one in another line of transfers. And that hurts them when they go out to recruit. Because you know it gets used in negative recruiting. You know other schools are saying, look at all the guys who've left there. Careful about going there. I don't know what's going on. He seems like a nice guy to me. But look at all the guys who are leaving. You know that gets used against him. Who wouldn't use that? It's true. All these guys have left. You know, and I know it's Yak. What's the number now? We're over. You you were checking over nine hundred. Over nine hundred guys transfer. A lot of transfer. But the problem is, yes, there are a lot of transfers. But is your program getting more talent in transfers than they're losing? Are they losing more than they're getting, or is it a wash? Because we know the best programs in the West, San Diego State, Gonzaga, they were going to be one and two seeds this year, it looks like, in the tournament. They get more talent in transfers than they lose. But it's easy to look at the Utes and say, well, they're losing more talent than they're getting. And that equation's got to change if the results are going to change. And the only way the results are changing is they're getting worse. The last five years, they've gone from 27 wins to 20 to 19 to 17 to 16. It's headed the wrong way here, mm. and there's no way to ignore the transfer situation has got to be part of the problem, and it's got to be fixed, or this is this trend's going to keep going on. You know, so all right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, Angie Machado, publisher of BeaverBlitz.com, covering Oregon State football. The spring tour continues. Stay with us.